The best Washington national this season is on the block. His name is Josh Bell. I am Josh Neighbors of Locked On Nationals. This is Lindsey Crosby, also of Locked On MLB Prospects. It is a crossover. We're going to be discussing the trade value of one Josh Bell. And Lindsey, it, it's shocking to think this, but Josh Bell, is been he has been the best Washington national from pillar to post this year. Um, there are so many things to like about him, but I guess – you know, let's start this conversation here. The Nationals had a chance to, to maybe give him a deal this offseason because he had a really nice 2021, mm-hmm. I thought. Uh, a rough start, but he ends up hitting 261, 347, 476 slash line, 823 OPS, 125 OPS plus. For those of you who don't know, I believe 100 is the normal kind of major league average. He yeah. hit 27 home runs and drove in 88 overall last year. And so I thought, let's start there. I thought that warranted an extension. And I thought for the Nationals, it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? You can trade him at some point, maybe. But also, it's just nice to have a guy around who's a vet. He's just there. Like You don't have to worry about first base every single day. It's taken care of. And for a team that has to worry about a whole lot of positions every day, because there's not a whole lot of continuity right now, not a whole lot of, yes, we know it's happening there. Kind of just something nice to have. But they didn't do it. That, yeah, they they you had an opportunity, and you think that it wouldn't have been that expensive, right? So he's no. in he's in second year of arbitration. He was on a six million dollar deal last year, I think six point three million. And so the thought process is: you buy out his final year of arbitration, you buy out two or three free agent years. That gets you to age thirty two. That gives you time for a prospect to finish developing and come up. Or if you end up liking him and you think his profile ages well, you can re-sign him a little bit later. But instead, one-year, $10 million contract in arbitration. And and what he's doing now is he's making a case for the All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, first base is a very difficult position, mm-hmm. especially if you look in that National League this year. I mean, think about the guys who are there. Paul Goldschmidt, pretty clear, I'd say, frontrunner right now for National yep. League MVP. Alonzo. Um, yeah, Pete Alonso's had a great season. C.J. Crone has had a really good year. Freddie Freeman gets out of bed and hits 300. I mean, that's, you know, that's what this guy does. Eric Hosmer's uh, had a really nice year. Matt Olson, obviously for the Braves and then Rowdy Telez, you know, a different kind of player, I guess for the Brewers, but like the national league is really stacked at that first base position. But Josh Bell, you know, I know he's not going to get the respect in the all-star voting. Obviously Goldie is the guy you're going to go with, but mm-hmm. he has been phenomenal. I'd put Bell year. number four. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's you know, it's like at a best first baseman. I mean, look, he's not the player that Pete Alonso is. He's not the player, obviously, Freddie Freeman is. But in terms of seasons, I mean, uh, one of our good friends, Matt Weirich, had this up the other day from NBC Sports Washington. He said, you know, if you look at the numbers, like a little bit, or just a little bit better than Freddie Freeman. Now, nobody is here saying that he is a better player than Freddie Freeman, but you got to respect the numbers. And also, we're at 81 games at this point. It's half a season. And he has been – and for a guy who's, you know, kind of a power-hitting first baseman, how often are we talking about those guys being really consistent? We're not. really. There's there's variance a lot of times at that spot. He's been consistent from pillar to post. I think consistency, number one, is something that's going to help raise his trade value. Yeah, he has – he actually leads the major leagues. He's played in all 81 games this season. Uh, I believe he's actually started all 81 games. Yes. And – yeah, I mean, 318, 399, 514 is your slash line. OPS plus of 163, whereas yeah. the MLB yeah. average is 100. You adjust that up a little bit for your um, for your first baseman as an offensive first position, but still, 
I mean, 163, he's been a top five National League first baseman. And he's doing it on an expiring contract. Uh, and, and and he's doing it underrated. He's doing it with a new baby at home. And I think mm. there's something to be said about the players with their performance drops when they have a new baby at home. So shout out, shout out Josh Bell for making it happen with a crying baby at home every night. But it's it's just something where to do this, to have to be on pace to beat last year's RBI number on a team that is objectively not as talented as last year's team tells you he's taken his hitting to another level. On-base percentage, 50 points better. Slugging percentage, 40 points better. Batting average, clo- you know, close to 50 points better. And like you said, 81-game sample size. We're halfway in. These metrics have stabilized. This yeah. is not BABIP luck. This yeah. is not a hot streak. This is Josh Bell. This is Josh yeah. Bell has turned a corner, and this is who he is as a player. And you kind of wish he had locked him up before this happened. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's he's been fantastic. And, you know, it's really funny for a guy they, they call Tinkerbell because of how often he has adjusted and changed his swing. Stability is not normally what you think, but it seems like he's actually found it and he stayed with it. And, and another thing I want to bring up here, Lindsay, is this. The splits against righties and lefties. This year he's hitting 292 with a 371 OBP and a 500 selling percentage and 871 OPS against lefties. Now it's not as good against the, you know, against uh, um, not as good as he is against righties, but still that's awesome. Those are awesome numbers against lefties. You go against the righties. He's even better. 333 batting average a 416 on base, a 522 slugging and a 937 OPS seven homers, 27 RB. Now I will say the homers actually is pretty even. Uh, from yeah. both sides of the plate. And his home run numbers are a little bit down. He's only on pace for about 24 this year. We'll see there. But still, 27 RBIs uh, against the lefties, 20 against uh, – or excuse me, 27 against the righties, 20 against lefties. But this is, this is a point I want to ask you about. How much value does the switch hitting bring? Because this is a guy that, you know, no matter who is pitching now, you've got no problem with him out there unless it's a guy who owns him. But like he's he's killing everybody right now. He's really making everybody pay. He's not discriminating, and that's something I really think is you know obviously which switch hitters you expected a bit more. This is a little bit different. He's consistent from both sides of the plate. He is well above average from both sides of the plate, and I think that to me might be the most pivotal piece of where his value lies. Yeah, when you look at the trade deadline and you're going out and you're trying to figure out who can we bring in to our team that gives us the edge and pushes us over the top, you're looking for little things like we can force them to burn a specific reliever late in the game by putting by having Josh Bell come up to bat third in the inning. Um, his averages, better against righties. His counting stats, better against lefties. He's got 124 plate appearances against right. lefties. 216 against righties, yet the home run numbers are almost even. The RBIs are almost even. So it becomes a situation for an opposing manager. You go from from how am I going to get him out to how am I going to let him hurt me? And that that subtle change right there, uh, can as a team who's been to the World Series somewhat recently for both of us, that can be the difference in winning or losing a game and a series and a championship. And so something like that is going to give you a premium when it comes to the trade deadline over a guy that is a right-handed bat that can't hit a lefty that you'll have to platoon or pinch it for him late in the game. 
especially with the small benches you carry in the postseason. So dramatically increases his value and a guy that that I genuinely think is going to get one of the better returns on the trade market this year. All right, quick word from our sponsors, then we'll go that direction, talk about where he could end up going. But uh, once again, our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile and Blue Nile com. If you guys want that special piece of jewelry for that special somebody, look no further than Blue Nile and Blue Nile.com. Whether it's a tennis bracelet, necklace, ring, uh, make that moment sparkle with Blue Nile. Go there today. Blue Nile.com. Locked on listeners get a special deal. You get $50 off a purchase of $500 or more. This is a podcast exclusive. Use the code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N locked on. That's code locked on. Plus, every order is insured. It ships free and arrives in a discreet package that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace at bluenile.com today. Also, once again, that discreet packaging, that's great stuff. You want, you want to show up, make sure nobody knows what it is. They won't. So, bluenile.com today, promo code. Locked on. All right. So this this is you know, Nationals fans, this is where we get excited. What they're trying to look for. What what can they, you know, what are what are we targeting here? And um nationally, I just mentioned this, like there's actually not a whole lot of teams in the National League that are that desperately need that first baseman, right? You think about the, the play, think about who the playoff teams are right now. All right. The Padres uh do not need one with Eric Hosmer. The, the Dodgers do not need one with Freddie Freeman. Uh, the Cardinals do not need one with Paul Goldschmidt. The Brewers do not need one with Rowdy Telez. The Mets do not need one with, uh, with Pete Alonzo. The Braves do not need one with Matt Olson. So really it feels like, Lindsay, we're going to begin looking at the American League. That is where you might see these teams um, you know, need somebody – at, at, at that position, because the thing about the teams are trying to compete. I mean, you know, and one that we've mentioned up top, Minnesota, like Minnesota could really use a guy like a Josh Bell for his versatility, obviously can DH and, and play first base uh, too. So I think, is that where you want to start? We're going to start with the twins or you start with the blue Jays. Start with the twins. All right. Let's so go ahead twins. and do that. Yeah. Let's, let's and, hear. and so the, the thing here for me is they have Lewis Arias um, been very good, but I feel like defensively he's being wasted a bit at first. He can mm. play third, he can play left. And then the big thing here is by bringing in Josh Bell, it gives you some more lefty-righty balance in the lineup. This would Josh Bell would give you three of nine hitters in the, uh, in the Minnesota lineup that would be lefties. So when I'm looking at these trades, the comps that I have, let's go back to last year. Uh, Anthony Rizzo gets moved uh, to the Yankees, and then Nelson Cruz moves from the Twins uh, to the Rays, and both of them, you get back one or two top 10 prospects, and one of them is probably close to MLB ready. Uh, for, for the Nelson Cruz trade, that was Joe Ryan, MLB player right there, went up and started playing right away. So for the Twins, I'm looking at a guy like right-hand pitcher Simeon Woods Richardson. We mentioned last show, you're looking for pitching. You want a mm-hmm. younger pitcher, and ideally, because you're not... An expiring deal, and like you said, smaller market because a lot of teams are set at first base, you're not going to get a top 100 prospect. But you can get a top 10 prospect for the system, 
Uh, Simeon Woods is a number seven overall prospect for the uh, Twins, uh, 21 years old. And I think what he does is he raises the floor for this team because he profiles well as a um, as a number four, number five starter, possibly middle inning relief. But the thought process is he just has to do a little bit of work, maybe improve the fastball a bit, and he could be a number four starter for you. Uh, he's a guy that's in double A right now, two and three, 340 ERA in 11 games, 19 walks to 53 strikeouts in 53 innings. So, uh, you know, nine strikeouts per nine innings kind of tells you number four, number five, but he can put up innings. He can, he can give you a base level of competency. And because he's already in double A and he's uh, there for the second time, he spent a little bit of time there last year. He's a guy that can be contributing at the MLB level by the end of 2023. So he fits so, the window. Yeah. And, and so I think it's interesting because to me, when I always thought about the, these trades, you know, it, so it's weird. Like, you know, is he a rental or is he a player that you now have the opportunity to resign? Right. Now, I guess that might be a bit more NBA brain of me because it's not something, you know, we don't see it all the time in baseball. Typically, you want to take advantage of the control that's left. And obviously, he's got none of me to be a free agent. Um, but I, I think he's a player that if it goes somewhere and works out, like I don't believe his next contract is going to be astronomically high. I think he's a really good player, but I, st- I actually still think he's going to, he'll probably, like, I feel like I'm gonna, at the end of the day, he made a contract where I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure even he's going to be making enough money. Now, now, we'll see. But I think actually Josh Bell might have some value as a player who you could resign. So like it, like the pitching depth, maybe I would say this, maybe snag me a position player from lower down as well. Just, just give me a little extra something there, but you're on the right track with definitely. Yeah. Throw in peace, but you're definitely on the right track with the pitcher. Let's, let's go to the next one here, Lindsay. Okay. Before we do that, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead, Quick thought. If you're a team like the twins and Josh Bell is as good as he is pitched as, as he has played all year and you think he's an amazing guy, obviously you tried to resign him, but if you can't re-sign him, give him a qualifying offer. Hmm. Worst case scenario, he declines a qualifying offer uh, and you get a draft pick in compensation or he signs it and you have one more year of his services and if you can't come to an, a reasonable deal on an extension, you ship him out at the trade deadline next year. So I think there's some a little bit of that NBA-style contract stuff you can play uh, if you're a team like the Twins who don't have an obvious candidate assuming Carlos Correa opts out an obvious candidate for the qualifying offer. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, you know, it's, this is so interesting. The second one's very interesting that you put. Uh, so Toronto, mm-hmm. but I mean, obviously we know Vlad Guerrero Jr. Is there, and this is kind of the same thing as like, you know, we just talked about Luis rise over there at first base in Minnesota. Yes, but you can move him. Right. So Josh Bell would go in and this is a, so Nelson Cruz, we talked about before, like I would hesitate with Nelson Cruz when it'd be my DH. Cause Mm, am I am I maximizing that DH spot with Nelson Cruz? I don't know. I feel like if I have if Josh Bell is a DH, that is maximizing that DH spot, right? Because he's hitting he's hitting whoever's out there, and also I'm taking with I'm taking away the defense part. He's mm-hmm. not very good at defense. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't. I, it's not an enjoyable watch over there at first base watching Josh Bell. No disrespect, love Josh Bell, but like not great to watch. Just Josh Bell focusing on the hitting kind of like this so at first i was like hmm where's he going here this but thought about it kind of love this idea 
Yeah, and it's something where the Toronto doesn't have a ton of lefties in the lineup. I mean, on a given day, they start one lefty. Ryan Miltapia in left field. And for DH, what they tend to do is they just rotate the DH uh, between different positions. So we're recording this on July 5th. The DH tonight is catcher Alejandro Kirk. Right. You know, Bo Bichette was the the DH last week against the Rays. Um, It's something where they don't have a set player to take that. And then obviously Vlad Guerrero plays every single day. Uh, they rotate him through there. He DHs once a week. But if you were for some reason to lose Vlad Guerrero, he is the number three hitter. He is the thing that this entire offense revolves around. Josh Bell gives you a little bit of insurance if you have a short-term absence from a Vlad Guerrero. So the player that I'm looking at uh, moving over to to Washington uh, is Otto Lopez. I've got him listed on our sheet as a, a shortstop second baseman outfielder. Uh, he was an international free agent in 2016 out of the, the, the Dominican. But I think that at worst, he's a bat-first utility guy. He can play center field for you. He can play you know anywhere up the middle of the diamond. Uh, but he has good offensive bona fides. He won two minor league batting titles, 2019 in low A, 2021 in double A. Uh, I think the only thing stopping him from being a full-time starter at the big league level is just a question about how his power is going to develop he hits too many ground balls, doesn't really have a great launch angle, but a guy that gives you flexibility to, to play him different places while you figure out which prospects are ready to take over at different positions, gives you a lot of utility and versatility, um, and then just a reliable offensive threat that can play towards the top of the lineup. So, I, yeah, I, I like I like this one. Um for for both ways because well the nationals ne- desperately need just guys who can play like guys who we think can play they really do because there is a i mean you know we're talking about uh third base we don't know if carter cubans keeping with the guy or not they've got no clue if he's going to be the guy at second base um you know it's been cesar hernandez and i you know i think there's a chance that they might, they might even move on from him but he's on a one-year deal regardless luis garcia they think is going to be playing shortstop for them uh, outfield right now, obviously Juan Soto's out there, but Victor Robles, we're not sold on him. And that third outfield spot can always move around. We talked about moving Yadiel Hernandez. He's been a guy out there a lot for them in that spot. So I think the flexibility is good because it just it's going to fill some holes for them. The last one I want to let's, let's get you got anything else in Toronto before we move on or no? Good, we're good. All right, so the last one here, um, we mentioned San Diego, but this one I like because we're talking about multiple guys here that could be in this trade. This is good for San. I mean, you know, this is good for every team against Josh Bell. Like, you're very happy if your team gets Josh Bell, generally speaking. But this Josh Bell in transition there, he could be their DH. Could play, you know, depending on whatever you want to do with the Hosmer, you could play him out there at first base some days, whatever, you know, whatever it is. Um, but this this could make sense for them just to add another bat in the lineup. Obviously, right now, the big thing for them is. Uh, they are missing the man who is like, you know, near the top of all-star voting for the shortstop position who has not played a game for any of the top taste junior. So and weird. this, this is a huge bat. You can just place in the lineup because here's the thing. Nobody is, nobody's taking the Padres seriously. They're having a good year, but nobody takes them seriously in the West because of where they're positioned right now. But I'll tell you what, that pitching looks pretty serious to me this year. That pitching to me looks like it could be pretty serious. Can you, can you add a bat like Josh Bell, the supplement, which you're losing right now, I, I, you know, this is not one of those at first. I was like thinking, hmm, interesting, but kind of like it the more I thought about it. 
Yeah, and here's why I like it. So San Diego right now solidly in the second wild card. Okay, right. two and a half games up from the, from the third. They're a game behind Atlanta for the tops in the wild card in the National League. And then at DH, they're 29th in the league in offensive mm. production. Luke Voigt's been the primary DH. He's been yeah. hurt quite a bit. He's batting 147 with a 599 OPS. So I like the fit for the Padres. Also, we know the Padres love to make trades. This is I, every year it feels like at the trade deadline, they're shipping pieces in and out just to do it. So I've got two guys uh, coming back to the Nationals in this deal. First one, number eight prospect in the system, left-hand pitcher Robert Gasser, uh, 23 years old. Um, he's in high A right now, which is a little bit low for a 23-year-old. Uh, but he's a, he's... He's a guy that doesn't have overwhelming stuff, right? The velo's not amazing. He can, when he pushes it, he's hitting 95 from a lefty. That's good. The slider's above average. It's a sharp slider. Um, the changeup, he can spot it well. If he can figure out a curveball, I think he could go from where he is now as a number four, number five, up to maybe a number three. Um, but the big thing is he's polished. He's doing well right now. Four, uh, 382 ERA, 94 strikeouts in 76 <laughs> innings. And um, in high A, and and just a guy that absolutely, like we said, raises the floor for the Nationals when it comes to the rotation. Gives some of these top prospects a chance to figure it out before you're asking them to win games for the big league team, games that matter. Yeah, I I like having two guys there, especially to get a pitcher, get somebody playing the field, not, and middle infield depth is important. Yeah, um, you know, I know Brady House. Look, Brady House has been awesome so far. Actually, we'll touch on the draft here in a second, but um, he's not going to play short. He's going to play third. Like, that, mm-hmm. That's where he's going. So Nash keep keep building the middle infield depth. They'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah, and and the second guy in the trade does that. Shortstop Victor Acosta, uh, number right. nine prospect in the system, eighteen years old. So he's kind of obviously he's he's not very far along in the system, but timing wise, it works out well with the timeline for the rebuild. He's a switch hitter. He can stick it short. Um, I think he's going to be an above average at both contact and power. Probably not amazing at either one. Uh, has a plus arm if you do end up having to move him either to the outfield because he's um, because he's he's fast, or if you end up moving him to, to third, second, something like that. Uh, and, and just a guy with a lot of potential, but an extra piece, like you said, to kind of go up the middle and and give you some additional options as Brady House and things like that. Figure out naturally where they're going to sort and where they're going to be. All right, one more word from our sponsors on today's show, and we'll talk a little bit of, a little about the MLB draft. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online and BetOnline.net. Go to Bet Online today. When you guys do uh, sign up, it is free to do. They've got MLB baseball. They've got futures for football and basketball. They've got odds for F1, NASCAR, UFC, Bellator. Uh, they've got it for boxing as well. And also, once again, futures for basketball and football. I got soccer odds too. I bet a little MLS action. You can go, the, go do that at bet online and betonline.net. Bet online, it is where the game starts. All right. So you mentioned the draft, and we're going to wrap up with that. Draft is coming up here. The Nationals have 545 and 84 in their total pool, uh, the, the draft picks. Um, their total pool is 11 million, a little bit over 11 million, seventh largest. And that uh, the the fifth pick is the slot. Uh, the slot value is six six million four hundred ninety four thousand three hundred 
dollars. And you mentioned right here, you have them drafting catcher Kevin Parada, and you mentioned, hey, look, they've got K. Barrett Ruiz, but this depth stuff seems to always work itself out. Just look at what happened last year with the uh, Dodgers, who traded K. Barrett Ruiz, right? Ruiz was surplus at the time with Will Smith, or still is. You know, obviously Will Smith is a tremendous player. And they, they go and get Max Scherzer, and they go and get Trey Turner with the catcher, K. Barrett Ruiz, being part of the deal. So you, you, you it's, it's such a premium position. I think that's the rub here, right, Lindsay, is that it's such a good position, and you're drafting one of the best that you can. And so there is some value to that, even though you actually might not ever play a whole lot for your major league team. Yeah, and and it's something where by far the riskiest profile in the draft is prep pitcher, but after that it's catcher, and uh, they they bust at a higher rate. So obviously, one you need more of those prospects, but then two, look at the timeline of you have a Ruiz already in right now. Yeah, you go and you combine that with Parada, who's coming out of college, who's probably he's not even twenty one yet, so he's still on that three to four year time frame, and he's got some defensive polish you want him to do if he sticks at catcher. It's a problem you don't necessarily have to even think about for three or four years. And by then, you're getting to the end of Ruiz's team control, and it's time to make a decision. He gives you flexibility to do that. And then in the meantime, he's one of the more accomplished pure hitters uh, in the entire group and has some of the better power of the top seven. So the good thing about picking at five is there's a clear top seven in this draft with with uh, third baseman Cam Collier, Kevin Parada, uh, some 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 prep players, Elijah Green, Tamar Johnson, Jackson Holiday, uh, Drew Jones, and then the shortstop Cal uh, Brooks Lee from Cal Poly. It's a mm-hmm. clear top seven. So you get one of those top premium talents. I just and it's not just me. A lot of a lot of uh, the the draft folks, the prospect folks, they see like how much work Washington's done on Kevin Parada uh, as far as bringing him in, mm. uh, talking to his team, going scouting him in person, and so. To me, it's something where, yes, you 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 double up on top prospects there. But one position isn't as important in the first round. Two, it's a position that's likely to to bust at a higher rate than a lot of others. And three, you've had success taking catchers and moving them somewhere else. His name was Bryce Harper, right? And so go for the best talent that you can get at five. Uh, somebody who's signable, who has good power, has good contact ability and figure out what to do with them down the road if that problem even comes up. Yeah, and I, I would say if that doesn't work out, I would go outfield next. Uh, I think that's, that's you know, I know people think still like just horde middle infield, but I think they have to go outfield. And there's a lot of good outfielders um, in this crop. So I think, what's interesting is, you know, we're not, it, it sounds like we're not going to see a, a pitcher be taken, um, you know, the top 10 maybe. I mean, Lindsay, is there a chance we're not going to see a pitcher in the top 10? There's absolutely a chance. That's something. So since the draft's been around in 1965, that's never happened. Mm. Uh, the closest we came was in 2019. Nick Lodolo was seventh overall out of TCU um, to the Reds. And that's the only time that we've, like that was the closest we've come to never having a pitcher in the top 10. But you have a situation where so many top college pitchers have been hurt. You've got questionable status for Kumar Rocker. We don't know where he's going to go, but there's medical questions. And the top prep pitcher, Dylan Lesko, uh, towards UCL and had Tommy John in the spring. So there's just not a lot of guys to go. And when I was doing some of the draft previews, I've been throwing up at Locked On MLB Prospects. You're looking at, we're thinking maybe 13 or 12. The Mets have two first round picks, 11 and 14. So they can afford to go with a prep pitcher at 11 maybe. 
but there's a very good chance we don't have one in the top 10. And uh, never happened before, uncharted territory, but this is going to be a hitter-heavy draft. Go ahead and take one of the better ones there at five, and then be prepared to clean up and get one of the, the top college pitchers at 45. All right, very interesting. We'll see what happens. Lindsay, appreciate your time. This was very fun. Let people know where they can find you and your work and all of its variety. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked On MLB Prospects, is available on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Wherever you get your podcasts and go subscribe to us on YouTube. We're that close to 1,000 subscribers. We're trying to get there in time for our live show uh, the night of the MLB draft. We're going to go live and recap the first round. Very nice. Very exciting. You guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show at LO underscore Nationals. You guys can find the show itself uh, uh, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. All right, so we covered it all. Lindsay, it's always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Josh.